Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. After decades of planning, a new skate park will finally be coming to Portland's Old Town. Advocates have eyed a parcel of land on the west side of the Steel Bridge since the early 2000s, but bureaucracy and a lack of funding have prevented the project from moving forward Until now, the city announced recently that it's going to spend $15 million in park system development charges to fully fund the new park. Advocates say it won't just be for skaters. They hope the new park will attract a whole bunch of residents and visitors and will re-energize a struggling part of town. Jesse Burke is a chair of the Old Town Community Association. She joined the effort to build the park in recent years. Howard Weiner is the owner of Cal Skate Skateboards. He has been a part of the effort from the very beginning. They both join me now. It's great to have both of you on the show. Thank you. So, Howard, first, efforts for a skate park at this site, they started more than 20 years ago. What do you remember from the beginning of that effort? (laughs) Well... Started in 1999 in uh, spring, and uh, Richard Harris, who was executive director of Central City Concern, was also co-chair of the Visions Committee um, that was looking at revitalizing that area. And he came into my store and walked me down to the area we called the pit and asked if I thought a skateboard park would work there. Um, Of course, I said yes. Um, And that was the the beginnings, and then I joined the Visions Committee, joined the Neighborhood Association, and became chair of the Neighborhood Association, and lobbied for support. And then, oh, I believe it's 2001, um, we got our first monies to do a feasibility study, um, and that was the, the beginnings of this particular project. $50,000 from the city for that study. What came yeah. of that? Um. It got dusty, <laughs> went, on, went on the shelf. Um, and then some years later, um, I was part of the effort to design a system of skate parks, 19 parks within the city through the Portland Parks and Recreation. And the Steel Bridge Skate Park was identified as the crown jewel. Um, what did that phrase mean? I mean, I think people understand that the, I mean, the basic idea, well, but in the context of a skate park. Mm-hmm. We wanted to build and still will build now a world-class skateboard park that would draw folks from all over the world um, and offer an opportunity for competition, but more importantly, um, for the community. And uh, that was our goal. We used the term crown jewel, but that's, I think, because it's in size uh, much larger than any of the other skateboard parks. Most, uh, I think we built the four district parks around 10,000 square feet. I could be off a little bit. This particular park um, will encompass, I believe, an area of 60,000 square feet, not all of it park, but but plazas and and so on. So um, it's quite substantial. Jesse, when did you first get involved? Um, I first got involved, um, I want to say 2000 or 2001. Um, And it wasn't really getting involved in the skate park exactly. you may remember um, a pretty tough time in Portland uh, through the pandemic, uh, 2020, 2021. Um, and the mayor's office had started uh, a 
series of um, Zoom calls called Problem Solvers Calls. Um, and Sam Adams facilitated those and there would be a hodgepodge of people on these phone calls. Um, and my husband, uh, who owns the Society Hotel with me, had just, he was chairing or co-chairing the land use committee and had stumbled upon these drawings of the skate park. So there had been renderings done, I think, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, have you ever seen these before? And I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, and it said the Steelbridge Skate Park. Um, and on one of these problem solver calls, um, Sam Adams uh, was talking to the facilities um, director at the NWEA building, which is right next to the to the pit or the steel bridge. And they were having issues with people that were in the pit shooting bullets through their windows. And they asked if anyone had any suggestions for how to mitigate that. And I had just seen those drawings. And I said, what if we did the Steelbridge Skate Park? And Sam had been the last mayor that had worked on it. Um, And Tom Miller, uh, who was at the mayor's office um, at this time in 2000, 2001, had just come on had also worked with Sam at that time, was a skateboarder and had gotten into politics because of the Steelbridge Skate Park. And so it's just sort of serendipitous on this call. They were like, how opportune you have a bunch of people that have actually worked on this before. My thought was only let's put up a fence to say we're working on something. But um, it sort of brought it back to life a little bit. uh, And then Tom really took the reins from the city side and um, we worked together on advocacy. A coalition was started with skaters. Um, My husband brought together a group of um, professional skaters. So like Kelly Bird from Nike Skate, Peter Yu, who went to the Chinese language school down here as a kid, but was also a skater, brought Sport Oregon in, um, Dow Architecture, who had done the original renderings and, and we got a commitment from Prosper Portland for an initial $250,000 to do, um, I guess it was to do whatever we needed to do, um, but it was supposed to be, I think, 33% um, design and development. Uh, Howard, sorry, can I ask ahead. you, well, so yeah. when this project languished for years and years, did you think it was ever going to happen? <laughs> um at times, yes, um, but in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, no, I thought we had given it our best opportunity. And uh, the only issue has is, is really been, it, it was money um, and funding. Um, we've, we've had the support since the very beginning uh, and detailed plans were actually developed after the feasibility study, uh, we did another got another $50,000 from Sam Adams when he was mayor and did a development uh, plan. And that's where Dow architecture really shined. And in fact, won a national award for the design of the steel bridge skate park. Um, and so, um, and of course about a year ago or nine months ago, Jesse and this group coalition group started meeting at Cal skate. I, we would have meetings before opening hours and uh, we built up that support and met with uh, Commissioner Dan uh, Ryan's office. And uh, I still didn't, you know, 
I've always been optimistic that, that, that something would happen, and you have to be an optimist to be in old, old town in business. But, but, uh, but no, until not too many weeks ago, I, I did not think this was going to happen. And then uh, um, a little birdie gave me the information that an announcement was coming, and here you go. So, Jesse, let's turn to funding then. As I mentioned briefly in my intro, the money for this came from park-specific systems development charges, SDCs. Can you remind us what these are and what, under the current laws, what they can be spent on? Yes. So system development charges are fees that are collected from developers that are seeking permits for development. Um, so if so, for example, right now I'm working with another group on a project and they have a permit fee that's about $87,000, 40 of which is system development charges. And system development charges are just fees that go to in various percents to all of the different bureaus in the city. Um, so the parks system development charges, the current rules are they can only be used for construction of new parks in the district where the money was collected. Meaning so, not a lifeguard at an existing pool, not money to fix up um, a merry-go-round at an existing playground, a new facility in the neighborhood um, where the, the at one point, the, the, the once new project that, that put the money in for that, where that went in. Correct. How much money is the is the Portland Parks and Rec Bureau sitting on from these SDCs? It's a good question. I wish I knew the exact number, but it's significantly more than $15 million. Um, I've seen a lot of commentary like, oh, we could use this for so many other things, which I understand that um, feeling. Personally, I feel like we should modify this policy to allow it to be used for maintenance of parks. Um, even things like the Lansu Chinese Gardens are a park that is technically owned by the city, but they have no access to that type of funding. Um, but since this is the current rule, um, this is a really big opportunity. And we sort of found the, the pool of funds that we've been looking for all these years. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the new skate park that is coming to Portland's old town. Howard Weiner is the owner of Cal Skate Skateboards. Jesse Burke is a chair of the Old Town Community Association. I should note that she recently announced her candidacy for the seat on the Multnomah County Commission in a special election that will be on the May ballot. Howard, can you describe, this is always a tricky thing on the radio, but just the, the basics of what the design entails? Well, there are skatable elements, both street style, meaning um, that represent like curbs and, and, and uh, transition. Uh, and also, there are bowls. Um, if you look at the current skate parks, it's really going to be close to that on steroids. Um, it'll also have a good size plaza area. It's really a multi-use. People can go down there and eat their lunch, watch the skating, um, and uh, uh, just relax. Um, so skateboarding, you know, you've, essentially the skateboarders are the attraction, um, and uh, that will draw folks like I said, from really all over the world. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, 
all the headlines, and even in my intro, I called this a skate park, and I guess that'll be the official name for it, potentially. Who knows what the official name's going to be? But but the architects, um, they included in their narrative, their written description with their design, they have a, a, a more a broader description of, of what they envision. They say they want to create a, quote, public realm that's dynamic and challenging for skaters, yet contains safe havens for pedestrians and spectators, blurring the line between a traditional segregated skate park and an urban plaza. Jesse, how do you hope people will actually use this park? I hope that people feel like there's a a public space or a public realm that is is safe to enjoy all the time. Um, I think that we, we're struggling right now in Portland, feeling like there are fewer and fewer spaces that people feel are public, um, that they feel belong to them and others to enjoy and be outside. And I actually think it's a really unique um, a unique model, this idea of, if you've seen other skate parks, it's usually just for skaters because um, there's there's just the, the built environment for the skate experience. But to allow people to, to be spectators as well, I think it's really fascinating um, because when Howard was starting this project, skaters had a different reputation and that's never been the case in my lifetime. And so to, to sort of see these worlds be able to meld together and normalize and, and even how many, I know a lot of parents want places for their children to be able to try this new thing, but where would they take them? Um, and that this could be a multi-generational um, and multi-access opportunity. Um, You're speaking in in some ways careful ways about um, the change in the reputation you see um, uh, towards skaters. But let me see if I if I actually understand what you're saying. Is it basically that that 28 years ago or, or something like that, you don't think that non skaters would have seen a skate park as uh, a mechanism to make a neighborhood safer? I don't think it's skaters. I think that everybody that was maybe a landowner and Howard can speak more to this than I can because I was like in junior high. (laughs) So I don't really know, but I think Howard can speak more to what the relationship was between skaters and say politicians or big property owners um, than I can. Howard, what kind of a shift have you seen? Well, Let's go back in history. In 1976, when we opened Cal Skate Skateboards, within two months, skateboarding became illegal downtown. A $100 fine and a $2,500 fine on bricks. Um, And we first had to work to change the perception of skateboarding. Uh, My first project was in 1985 to build a skate park. My second one in 1989 in Gabriel Park. Uh, and then we opened up actually with the city uh, indoor skate park for a few years till we lost our insurance. But skateboarding had this rebellious, well, it's always been an individualistic activity, and it's much more culture, I think, than, than, than really sport in that, that regard. Um, but, um, but skaters were looked at uh, by politicians and the public uh, uh, 
as a nuisance, I think. And that took years. Now we've got 50, I've got 48 years in business and there's over 50 years of skateboarding history. Um, so those perceptions have changed and, you know, I'm on my fourth generation of customers. So uh, it's a different world and, and a much more positive accepting world for skateboarders. Hmm. Jesse, the press release from the city notes that the Portland Parks and Rec is going to begin work to engage project partners on property acquisition and feasibility, followed by community engagement and design. So the bureaucracy <laughs> keeps churning. What is the earliest that the park could actually open? Well, I'll have to delve into my development mind here. Um, I mean, the earliest, I would say we're always, it's always taking at least one year to get a permit. Um, and, uh, you know, private sector, you could probably build in a year. Uh, so fastest two years, <laughs> but maybe we're looking at three. I will say, though, that some of the work that we did on the front end with some funding that Prosper gave us and uh, the mayor's office, we did a lot of the feasibility studies already. Um, and the the land ownership issue has already been resolved um, because it was jointly owned between ODOT and PBOT. Um, and we just got an update because we've been pushing for the land swap to be completed. So. ODOT would transfer to PBOT, and that has been approved. So hmm. I'll just uh, let them know. No need to wait. <laughs> okay. From, uh, that's all you need to do is just let them know. Yeah. Uh, th th but this project, it, it's taken, you know, two and a half decades from conception to funding. Um, and we, we're still, even in an expedited fashion, we're talking about years away from breaking ground. It, it seems pretty clear. What do you think it would take to speed up these kinds of processes in a city that's had relatively few new public spaces created in in a long time now? I'm really glad you asked that question because I've been doing an inordinate amount of research on this term called government sludge, um, which is essentially when governments or any organization put in too many protections for themselves, the gears essentially grind to a halt and you are no longer providing service to your customer. Um, if if we are providing, you know, revenue and tax, we should be receiving a service of like getting to yes. What is the thing that is needed and how quickly can we get there? And we need, but governments have to audit themselves to prepare that. Um, and so I do think that what I see from a lot of leadership is they don't, you know, there was, uh, you might have seen they were going to make it easier to convert office to housing. They were going to provide system development charge waivers um, and they were going to make the permitting process faster. And when I begged the question of what is it, because I'm working on a project that is ready, they didn't have a policy. Um, and so what I've been doing and, and keep telling people is just write it yourself and then say, does this work? <laughs> Can this be the policy? And and just to try and expedite the process because um, we don't have time to wait for everyone to wring their hands. Uh, we need to make a decision so that we can make another decision. <laughs> Howard, just in the big picture here, I'm curious what you think makes a city or a neighborhood worth living in, worth um, keeping a business in, worth investing in, worth loving? Well. 
it's really building relationships and building a sense of community. Um, Old Town is the toughest in the city. 90%, I believe, my stats are a little off because I've been out of the, the loop, but, but about 90% of the folks who live in Old Town, Chinatown, um, are in recovery um, or living in, you know, uh, Central City Concern, essentially uh, subsidized housing. So, uh, and, and also a lot of development has not happened in Old Town, Chinatown. There's parking lots that could be developed and so on. So, but, but with that said, um, my goal always when I was at the helm and Jesse has followed that is to build those relationships, uh, create a forum, essentially an exchange of ideas and find the common ground uh, to move forward. And that, that really is the same in any neighborhood. Um, you know, I'm, I shouldn't editorialize, but, but when they, the Office of Neighborhood Involvement had 95 neighborhood associations. When the city gutted that, that uh, bureau, um, they took away, I think, a lot of tools that uh, residents uh, could use to build that sense of community. And uh, uh, I miss that. Howard Weiner and Jesse Burke, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Howard Weiner is the owner of CalSkate Skateboards. Jesse Burke is the board chair of the Old Town Community Association. They joined us to talk about the news recently that a long-planned skate park in Old Town is going to be fully funded by the Portland Parks and Recreation Bureau. 